Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. I have a question for all of us here. The question is this. What is one practical way you can love Jesus? What is one practical way in which you can love Jesus? In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus speaks and tells us how we can practically love him. It says this. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. That is the practical way to love Jesus. It's to not just only accept his commandments or acknowledge them, but to actually embrace them by obeying them and living them out. Now, as good Singaporean citizens and PRs as well, when we think of the word obedience, that's what comes to our mind are all the laws because we're a very fine city, right? And so we think of all the... We want to be a good Christian, basically. We want to be quite quiet, you know, obey the rules of God. So perhaps what comes to our mind when we think of obedience to God is obedience in morality. To obey the commandments of God like thou shalt not have any other God except him, that thou shalt not steal or commit adultery or murder and all these things to do with our moral compass in life. However, this is not the complete picture of obedience. It is not just obedience in morality, but it's also obedience in mission, which is what Joe and Kishori have just shared with us. That it's not just about keeping it in our hearts and being an individual worshiper, but to say with all the believers, the body of Christ, we want to obey you in our moral, in our morality, but also in obedience to mission. For God has sent us out to be missionaries of the gospel. Now in John chapter 14, verse 21, where it says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are those who love me. How do we get that idea that it's obedience in both morality and mission? Well, I want to go a couple of chapters back in John 11, where it talks about this story that really happened, that there was a man named Lazarus who was Jesus' friend who was really sick and dying. And people from his village went over to Jesus and said, you've got to come back to my village and you've got to do something. You've got to heal Lazarus. He's really sick. And at that point in time, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, all these things that's going to happen to Lazarus is to glorify my Father who is in heaven. Now, a couple of days have gone by. Jesus finally gets to the village. Lazarus has already passed away. Mary and Martha with all the other villagers, and they're weeping, and there's this really sad scene going on in the village. And Martha turns to Jesus and says, if you got here a bit earlier, Lazarus would be still alive. And Jesus doesn't turn around and says, oh, I'm so sorry, I got here late, you know, the bus was late, you know, my app didn't work, and he didn't do that. He gave the most unusual response. He asked Martha a question. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? 
And right there and then, Martha says, I do. Jesus then walks in front of the tomb. He prays a prayer to the Father, says, this is to glorify your name. And then he commands Lazarus in that commanding voice, Lazarus, come out. Now the Bible says later on that when Lazarus came out, Jesus said, unbind him. So either it's very comical, you know, out comes from this tomb, this anticlimax of Lazarus. Now this is not Chinese ghosts where they the yellow paper on. Those of you laughing are of a certain age, yeah? But it is to show the power of Jesus. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Now, at that point of time, word begins to spread. And it's circulating all around the region. But in contrast, there are these Pharisees. And they're very worried. They're very concerned that Jesus' popularity is rising. Theirs is falling. His voice is getting louder and their voice is diminishing. And so they begin to plot to kill Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus is treated like a king. He's anointed with perfume from head to toe. And then they enter into Jerusalem at the Passover weekend. And at that point in time, it's said that people were there greeting Jesus with palm branches. And those people, interesting enough, had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb and raising him from the dead. And they were, importantly, circulating this news. But there were the Pharisees that were trying to curtail the movement of God and the Word of God. Now Jesus then goes into the city and he does something very interesting. He's treated as his king, but what does Jesus do? He enters the house, he gets a basin, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. What an extraordinary king, the servant king. And in his heart and mind and soul and, and in his knowledge, he knows that he is going to be betrayed, denied, arrested, tortured, crucified. He knows. And so he begins to preach to his disciples. He speaks to them words that seem a bit cryptic to them, but he has this knowledge. He even tells them that the Son of Man will die, but rise again three days later. And they're like, what? I'm going to highlight two things that Jesus said to his disciples that are important. He says, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. In other words, Jesus, first of all, his claim here is that I am light. I am the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And my light will shine in you, the disciples, in us, the disciples. And at that point of time, a little longer. Why? Because he will be arrested. He will be crucified. But he will rise again. But the instruction is important. Walk in the light, not outside of it, but in it, so the darkness doesn't overtake you. In other words, there's this idea that there's darkness, spiritual darkness all around us, especially in our hearts. So walk in the light. Walk in Jesus, in His name, and in His power, and in His words, and in His commandments, so that you and I would love and obey Him. He also says this, that, he was saying that, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going somewhere to prepare a room for you. And the disciples are just like mystified, like, what, what are you trying to say, man? I mean, where are you going? What are you doing? 
Where, where's this place where you're going to? We've got many rooms, all very cryptic. And Jesus then says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had already known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I mean, if you're a disciple, you'd be a little bit frustrated, like, just tell me what on earth's going on. But in this particular phrase, this sentence says, Jesus is telling them what's going on. You see, when he says, I am the way, he's not saying I am the Google Maps app that shows you the way to Jurong or Tampanese or whatever. He's literally saying, I am the way to the Father God. Now, in the Jewish mindset, straight away, they understand something here. Because to the Jews, to get to God, you had to go to the temple. In the older times, it was the tabernacle, to a priest who would then perform sacrifices. And through those sacrifices, you would then be declared purified and holy. But even then, the priest cannot enter the Holy of Holies, otherwise he'd be struck dead. Because God is holy, and he calls his people to be holy. And the only way that we truly can be in the presence of God is to be holy, you need a way. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the perfect sacrifice. I am the Lamb of God who will take the sins of the world away. He is the truth. He's not a lie. The Pharisees were dispelling a lie about him. But I am the truth to show you the way, and my way will bring about life. For I am the light. The light brings life. How do we know this? If we look at John's writing in the Gospel of John, right at the beginning, we read this about who Jesus is. It is revealed that in the beginning, the Word already existed. Who is this Word? It's Jesus. And the Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In other words, the word word is the word logos in the Greek which literally means spoken word that brings about life. And when Jesus said, let there be light, 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 and things happen that we have no clue about, it brought about life. Scientists will tell you that the source of life on this earth is the sun. You take out the sun or you move the planet a little bit through a nuclear war, or a comet hits it, it shifts us off our axis, and then we don't get the sun to bring life, so life on the earth will diminish and die. Life. The light of Jesus brings about life. When it's spoken out, it brings life to others. To be there, you need to be in the presence of God. We need to be holy because He is holy. We need to commit our life into His hands so that we may say, God, You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I am here to be light in darkness. The darkness can never extinguish the righteous light of Christ. The Bible goes on to say this. Jesus came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, but they rejected Him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, 
He gave them the right to become children of God, for He is the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, when we look at the whole of John, we see four reoccurring themes and contrasts. The first is this theme of darkness versus light. Spiritual darkness, but yet comes in the light of Christ, and it brings life, not death, for darkness results in death, but light results in the life. The spoken word of God into your spirit, into your heart, into your soul. And therefore, there is this life that Christ wants us to live in obedience to Him. Now, either, therefore, we reject it. Oh, no, this is too hard. Oh, no, this thing that God calls me to do. I can't live that way. Look at everyone else having a party. They're having a great time. I'm going to live this dull Christian life. Look at the world. They're all woke They all know what's going on in the world. They have their truth and it seems to be in the right direction. Not this Jesus thing that's 2,000 years of age. And the commandment is not just to keep it to ourselves; It is to spread it. So just like in the scriptures we see the Pharisees curtailing the move of God, but we have to circulate the word, the life, the light, the fire of God in the world today. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. To be obedient in morality and in mission. However, there is a challenge and there's a conflict. There's this conflict within and a challenge outside of us. This conflict is outlined by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, where he says there's a sinful nature, and this sinful nature wants to do evil, wants to live in darkness which is just as opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. And so these two forces, they're in conflict, constant conflict. They're fighting each other inside our hearts. Oh, I want to do this. You know, it looks so fun. Or, you know, it's very tempting. Or, you know what, just, just a little bit of this sin. That's going to be okay. I'm going to be cool. God's going to be cool with it, right? And the sinful nature, no. The Spirit's saying, no, don't do that. Don't do this, that. It's always inside of us, and there's a challenge. For it is written in the Psalms, in Psalm 73, by the psalmist Asaph, who outlines very authentically that he almost fell away from God. He says, But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Why? Because I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. So he saw that in the world today, there were people that didn't believe in God, and yet they're healthy, they're wealthy. They're doing fine. Their families, you know what, they're good people. They don't really harm people. They're all right. Why then should I have to go to church, give offering, go to CG, take a mission trip when I could be in vacation in Korea? You know? Why, why must spend a Sunday morning, go away to Suntech when I could be shopping or sleeping in? Or my hangover from watching Liverpool win again or lose again, whatever? There's that challenge. And the Lord Jesus knows that. That is why before verse 21 comes out, he says in the preceding words, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father that he will give you an advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit isn't some mystical power, part of the Trinity. He is God. And His power, first and foremost, 
is to help us, empower us to live in obedience to God so that we may love the Lord Jesus. Oh yes, the Holy Spirit enables us to bring healing, bring joy, but first and foremost, His role is to bring about obedience in our hearts. And we need the Holy Spirit because there's this conflict within. There's this challenge outside. And it's not just to be a good Christian. It's a godly Christian to glorify God and to spread His love, His joy, His light, His life to the nations. And for not just the Christian individually, but the body of Christ being the light to the nations. That is what we are called to be. To live in His hands and to be holy, be light. Living in obedience, in morality, and obedience in mission. As we start a new year, this is the call of God upon His church, His people, to be holy, to be light. And when we are holy and light, and that is our life, while we may fall, the Lord Jesus restores. And in His restoration and in His grace, we continue to journey in faith so that the world may see through our lives and through His church that Jesus is indeed light to the nations to bring not just hope, but life. That is why tomorrow, as Pastor Jeremy has already announced, we have this thing called the Holy Assembly. It is done throughout the Scriptures in the Old Testament where the people of God would gather, they would assemble, and they would consecrate their lives. Consecrate life means to say, God, this life don't belong to me. It belongs to you. It is to be set apart for your purposes and your glory. Another way of putting it is, Lord, I know that I cannot be holy on my own strength. I need the Spirit of God to fall upon me. And I present myself to you in the first day of the year. I say, Lord, I want to be holy because you're holy. I want to live, put my life into your hands. And I want to say, Spirit of God, come empower me. When I fall, I know that you will forgive when I confess. And I want to continue on that journey. So we invite you to join us tomorrow at Woodland Center. Well, it starts at 9.30. Come a little bit earlier so you can just settle in. And we can worship the Lord together. Start the, start the year with praise and worship and to consecrate our lives before the Lord. Be holy. Be light. We live in this world of darkness. And the darkness tries to extinguish the light. You can't see the light, but I'm sure you there's light. This is what we desire. But it can't just be our heart desire. It needs to be in our soul. It needs to be lived out. So darkness will try to come along and tell you things like, for example, Oh, you want to obey everything about Jesus? You are going to be extremely bigoted. 
How many times have we heard that in the last five years? How many of us have faced that in our workplace, in our school, in our army camp, on social media? I would suggest probably all of us. It's not young people. It's all of us face this in our companies, even in our homes. And it gets harder. That's why we need the Spirit of God. That's why we need the body of Christ to strengthen our resolve to be light, to shine brightly in the world. It's not for everyone. See, the message of Jesus doesn't sit very comfortably in our society today. And we will face someday something called persecution. The persecution will come slowly. You'll come in things like being flamed on social media, perhaps losing your job, perhaps being disowned by a family member, and perhaps it may move into other things that we do not know of. But there are countless people around the world whereby the flame of Christ has been extinguished by leaders of that nation, but yet the church grows strong and bright and shines hope into many. Recently, during my sabbatical, there were two people in my life who had passed on. One is my grandmother. I've shared about her a few times in this church. She was 103 years of age. Can you imagine that? 103 years of age. Um, when I went to the funeral in Hong Kong, I expected to see a frail old body with white hair, and I was shocked. She looked like she was in the 70s or 80s. And it's not because of the makeup and all that. She's just blessed with great genes. I mean, just look at me, like, you know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> very humble about it. It's okay. It's all right. No need to clap. It's all right. I'll get it. It's all right. I'm good. What's your secret, Pastor Matt? Soap. Water. That's it. Maybe my grandmother, fried rice, MSG, sprinkle all over. I don't know. But my grandmother, despite her young-looking age and her, you know what, she was not a believer. And it's hard going to a funeral like that. It's hard. The other person that passed on was just a few days later after my grandma. He's a friend of mine named Joseph Chen. Some of you may have heard of it, read about it. Some of you know him, worked with him. And he's a close friend of mine who I had the privilege of serving with. It came as a big shock. I was just messaging him that day. Uh, he was overseas. And then the phone, there's no reply about something. It's a bit strange. I miss them both very dearly. But yet at Joe's funeral, it was remarkably different. The light shone. The light of Christ. The very last thing that Joe said to me face-to-face, -face, I mean, we had WhatsApp and all that, but the face-to-face -face conversation was interesting. We had a conference called the Antioch Conference, and he turned to me, he started sharing his excitement about the night rally, and he said, God is not done with us yet. God is not done with us yet. His light must shine brightly all around the world. When Joe was sharing about East Timor, it was interesting. Because I remember first trip to East Timor. I remember when we went, it was 2017, we went to a village called Ihara village. And 
when we go there, it's kind of very primitive. And what's interesting about it is when you go to this place, we, I always ask the youth, please clean the area. We stay in the school. Please clean the toilet. I bought a big detergent bottle. Go clean the toilet. To my horror, right? They poured the entire bottle of detergent into the toilet. I said, where's all the detergent? Are we poured it into the toilet to wash it? I said, you know, you're supposed to pour a little, sprinkle a bit along the side, then brush, then clean, then every day we can clean the toilet. Now the toilet's going to be smelly, you know, that kind of thing. I was horrified. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? There's all this darkness going on in my heart right there. And I just want to tell them how unintelligent that was. I mean, you guys are educated in Singapore, right? So I was prepared to spread this darkness to their hearts so that their darkness will spread to this village. Not the greatest decision on earth. I went down to a pond to try to cool off a bit. That's the pond where we bathe and get our water from, right? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, you need to forgive so that you can bring about light. So that then your light passes to them and they can spread the light of Christ in that village. And they did. In the darkness of the night where we had to perform skits, the light of Christ shone. When I traveled through East Timor, I imagined the light of Christ going from village to village, to town to town, to district to district, from Amera to Los Palos, from Los Palos to Ailu, and so on and so forth. I see the light of Christ spreading. I see the light of Christ spreading when I was on top of Taipei 101. I accidentally called it to my wife, uh, Beijing 101. I said, Beijing, <laughs> she looked at me, what's wrong with you? Taipei 101, you can see for miles, so the 101st floor of Taipei. In my mind, I imagine the light of Christ spreading all around Taipei and going out into the districts of Taiwan. Worshipping happening in Korea, in Japan, in the Philippines, in China, in Afghanistan, in Syria, in the Ukraine, in Russia, in Greenland, in Iceland, in Hungary, in the UK, in Alaska, in the North Pole, in the South Pole, in Myanmar, in Indonesia, in Thailand, Malaysia, in Jurong, in Tampines, in Suntec, the light of Christ to shine. I want to invite the worship team to come up. To be holy, to be light, living in obedience, in morality, and in mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit to strengthen our resolve as a body of Christ so that when the people see the church, oh, they don't see a perfect church, but they see the impeccable God who through human history has shown himself to be the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Word of God that has spoken life into nations and generations so that the light of Christ may shine throughout the world and bring about life and not death and not darkness or despair, but life and vitality and vibrancy into this world that he created but has rejected him. To a people who have not known him, but then will one day bow to Jesus. Today, perhaps God spoke to you, perhaps he didn't. But in a second, I'm going to call all of us to stand. Stand before God. 
And if this message spoke to you, we're going to do something together. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands and say, Lord Jesus, I need the Holy Spirit to empower me, to be holy, to be light. I come and place my life into your hands. You are not just a lawgiver with all these laws, but more importantly, you are the Lord of my life. Can I ask us all where we are? Stand. Please stand. And if this message spoke to you with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, would you lift your hands, both hands, up to the Lord right now? Come. Holy Spirit, we love you, we thank you, we worship you. And as is said, spoken by the Son, Jesus, you are our advocate that has been sent to us, to help us to live in obedience, to be empowered in a world of darkness, in our hearts, Lord, we know that we are sinful. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But yet by the grace of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, but rose again three days later, it is said that all who believe and accept you will have been given the privilege of being called children of God. And you have set us out to obey Jesus. And Spirit of God, you will help us to obey you. So fill us this day, God. As we enter the new year, fill us this day. As we gather your people tomorrow at the Holy Assembly, fill us this day, God, so that, Lord, we may be light unto the nations, that the church of Jesus Christ will stand stronger than it ever has, and so that, Lord, we see the name and the power and the majesty of Jesus proclaimed and the disciples multiplied among new disciples who then multiply to the nations, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We lift our hands in worship, proclaiming that you are holy forever. Holy forever. We're going to respond with this song right now. Let's say, Lord, you are holy. Let us declare this together. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord, you are holy. Oh, we worship you. A thousand generations falling down in worship. A thousand generations falling down in worship. Sing the song of ages to the land. And all have gone before us. All who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above the right. All thrones and dominions, all powers. And position Ooh, your, name. your name stands above them all. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.